All right, how we doing, everybody? You guys feeling good? I am pretty excited about this morning. Um, Okay, Uh, this is one of my favorite things about uh, our church is that we talk about real stuff, and it looks like everyone's come for this message. I'm really excited about that. And if you're watching online, I'm pumped that you're here. Uh, My name is Chris Pleckenpole. I'm the pastor here at Wells Branch Community Church. And so if you're checking us out for the very first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. One of the things we love are questions. And so if you have a question, we would love um, to answer those questions. And I, and I do it on Pastor Plex podcast. It usually comes out on Tuesdays. So uh, please um, uh, text in the question and I'll do my best to answer it as soon as possible. All right. Now, last week or really this past month, we've been in this series called God's Design for Sex, Singleness, and Serious Relationships. And if you're, uh, if you're in person, when you drive by the church, what's the only thing you can see from the road? Sex. sex. And so that kind of, I don't know if that, we didn't really do that super on purpose, but of course, everything, God had that all worked out. So people have been driving by like, sex, that seems weird on a church. Anyway, so that's uh, been kind of an exciting thing. People have really tuned in for this. And um, we talked about God's design for singleness, uh, God's design for sex. Uh, we talked about how marriage is, is supposed to, to work with relationship. We talked about our relationship, the serious relationship, our relationship to the church. And then last week, we talked about one thing that probably is on the hearts and minds of a lot of people, especially being in Austin, um, a more progressive city of this thing of homosexuality. And we said, listen, that God made human beings in his image. And there was something that happened to creation, including human beings. Sin marred that. And so um, we talked about that last week, and we're going to continue to talk about it this week. So again, if you're, if you're not ready to have that conversation with your kids, we're going to have uh, two people up here giving their testimony, uh, Jazz and Jordan, uh, of sharing their um, movement from identifying themselves as gay or lesbian to identifying themselves as Christ followers. And that's important. Because what has happened in this, this reality of, of where anything sort of goes, um, what's, what's gone on in our hearts is we sort of look at the world and there's two options. One is the, we're going to circle the wagons and anyone that sort of tries to attack our faith, or atta- we're just going to blast them down. We're going we're gonna to let them know on social media how wrong and evil and bad they are. And uh, we're only going to go you know, talk to each other in parlor. And then what can happen, what can happen is that you sort of isolate yourselves from the rest of the world. And so, but what can happen there is you just go like, there is no such thing as truth. We, you know, we just love everybody. And all of a sudden we've lost our version of who God is. And the problem with that is we start to determine good or evil on our own. And so what we said last week is that God had a design for sex and that sin marred the image of God. And so therefore, for all have sinned and fallen short. And so we're separated from God until Jesus revealed himself and his son died on the cross uh, for all of our sin and then rose from the dead to show to the world he conquered death in the grave. And that's why we have great hope. And so um, we said that last week that God designed um, men to have sex with women within marriage. And that's controversial. Um, but we're going to show you that the Holy Spirit, this isn't just a, because I think what happened, this isn't just a set of beliefs. This is a relationship with a God who is. And I think what can happen with the relationship with the God who is, we, we want to shift things and change things and modify them so that we can be the God who is. And I think that's what happens over time. So um, we resist 
overcoming our desire for sex outside of design because we've said stuff like this. And you maybe even think it's in the Bible. Right? This is where I think, and this, this is not me picking on you, don't feel like I, I'm angry or upset. This is just how people are. We've said stuff like, God would never give me more than I can handle. You, you've said that to somebody trying to be really encouraging, and the person's like, what do you mean? My life is a train wreck. This is way more than I can handle. And then they're, they're like, well, I guess I'm the one that he couldn't do, right? And so the reality is that's just not true. God is going to give you way more than you can handle. Why? We'll talk about that here in a bit. Uh, because guess what? That forces you to trust in God and not in your ability, okay? Okay, then um, we... We resist overcoming our desire for sex outside of his design because we've said this. And um, I, I hear this a lot with guys dating girls and they're living together and they go, they say this to me almost every time, like, Jesus and I have an understanding. <laughs> like, I talk to him, listen, listen, I know, I know for most people this isn't like the best way, but for us, this really works for us. And he knows. I've talked to him, he knows. And it's kind of like that mentality of show up, shut up, and pay up. I don't ask you about anything that you're doing. You don't ask me about anything I'm doing. And we just sort of smile at each other and wave on Sunday mornings, and we don't get invested in each other's lives because you and Jesus have an understanding. And I think as Christians, we've taken that because I think there's some of us that have this incredible relationship with Jesus, and all of a sudden, because the darkness of our hearts always is constantly drifting us back towards sin. And that's why we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every single day. And we need to repent daily. Okay. And then finally, I think, and, and I don't think this is maybe so much um, at our church. I feel I'm, I'm grateful that our church is really authentic and real. But what can happen is in a Christian world, okay, we, we put on the fake it till we make it. I'm not going to talk about my sin struggle. I'm not going to talk about my issues. I'm not going to talk about any of that. And I'm just going to pretend everything's okay. And then again, I do, you do you, I do me, and I don't want to engage the culture. I, I'm just going to be, I'm going to chameleon myself to whatever I am, whoever I need to be in front of whoever. It's kind of like you did in high school. When you're around the athletes, you're an athlete. When you're around the, the music people, you're a music people. When you're around the nerds, you're a nerd. And you just got along with everybody and it's working for you. Because, and you would say, I've got, I, I know everyone. And you have no identity. Your identity sort of shifts with whomever you're around. And what I want us to be is grounded in who Jesus is. And so this morning, well, we're going to ask God to open up our hearts. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, and uh, this is one of my favorite verses, and it's only f- about four or five verses that we're going to look at. Uh, 2 Corinthians 12, we're going to start at verse 7. But before we get into it, let's just ask God to really move on this service. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. And God, I know in a world where the things that we say are offensive um, because it's your truth and your gospel offends somebody everywhere all over the world, whether it's um, rebelling for your design or rebelling for the way to love. And so God, I know that in this room, we're all um, in darkness and sin until you brought your light of love. So Lord, as we engage you, the God who is, and not the one of our minds, the one we make up, um, we ask that you would speak and your Holy Spirit would fall afresh here in this room and online through the internet, that Lord, you would do a work there that I couldn't even fathom or imagine as someone hears something that triggers a conviction or triggers hope. 
Oh, Lord, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, all right, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, and uh, I'm pumped for this because this is, again, this is whenever I counsel people, and this usually comes up in a lot of marriage counseling because uh, people usually refer to their spouse as a thorn in their side, and so that's where this is really uh, great. So you can, if you're ever wondering where your verse is, this is your verse. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. He's not talking about the book of Revelation. That's actually singular, by the way. This is plural. Uh, And he's talking about that he was caught up to the third heaven, saw God and the celestial kingdom, the throne and all these crazy things. And he's like, I'm not even permitted to talk about such things. But since he had like, he'd seen it, that would make you a little bit prideful. Like I got the ticket. I got the golden ticket. You missed out. And so God allowed, watch this, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, which is sort of bizarre. God, God who loves Paul, look at my servant Paul. And you know, the throne room of heaven said that, and, and Satan comes around, oh yeah, I bet I can make him kind of have a Job experience. And so he's got a thorn. And Paul was tormented by this thorn. And people ask all the time, what was the thorn about? What was the thorn about? And um, you could say it was homosexuality. You could say it was his poor eyesight. You could say that he was, didn't want to be single. You could say that all the, the, the loves that he'd lost of his past. But the reality was, we don't know. And your guess is good as mine. Whatever you say, probably some theologian somewhere has agreed with you. Okay, so that's, what, that's the good news about it. Nobody has the answer on this one for sure. But what we do know is that he had a thorn that God allowed Satan to put there, and he doesn't take it away. Watch this. Verse 8, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. And he said to me, or that should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, this is huge. Because we would say, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in strength. Like, we like that. Like, I want to put on strength. And listen, and I think our culture can embrace this because we have a lot of t-shirts to say, like, you know, but first coffee. Like, we, we get our own weakness. There's this reality that we look at our own selves and we, can, we understand that we're broken and incomplete. And Jesus is saying that the more God has given you more than you can handle and the more you trust and rely on him, that is what's going to transform your life. And so this goes for your marriage. This goes for your career. This goes for your parenting. This goes for every aspect of your life. And if you are gay or a lesbian or you have the identity struggle there or you're same-sex attracted, this goes for you. That he's going to give you grace. May not take away the thorn. You might not be able to pray the gay away, but what could happen is that God could use you for his glory. So therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest on me. I'm going to boast about this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm not going to hide it. I'm going to talk about it. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. So Jesus gave grace to endure the thorn. And I want us to take time, boast all the more gladly of some weakness. And I I want to invite, um, we're going to have two people come up. First, I'm going to have Jordan Smith come on up. So Jordan Smith, come on down. 
Uh, Jordan uh, is a friend of mine. He's been, he's been coming to the church for now about five years. And um, when I first met Jordan, uh, we had a lot of discussions on like, why did God make me this way? Like we, that was like, that was kind of like, and why it's not fair. It's not fair. And then I watched Jordan mature over time and I'm, it's mind blowing to watch the maturity of his faith. But I wanted to jump into that from like the get go, because this is the part where uh, I think the, the progressive sort of movement of our country would say, listen, um, God made you that way. So why fight it? So talking about from your perspective growing up, um, what was it like, uh, I guess, in a sense to be born that way, and let's talk about it. Yeah, so uh, I always did kind of feel like I was born that way, because as early as I can remember, I've always been attracted to guys. Um, growing up, you know, probably around the puberty age and everything, uh, you see all the guys getting girlfriends, where I'm kind of stuck there, um, having the crush on the guy, so it was kind of awkward. Um, <laughs> but it was hard, because I always felt different. Um, also, like, growing up, maybe some of you have heard this too, like, if someone didn't like something, they'd be like, that's gay. Um, and that was like, to me, I'm like, okay, well, then gay equals bad. I better hide this part of myself, mm -hmm. suppress it. So it was very isolating in that way. Okay, so you growing up, uh, talk to me about how Jesus intersected your, your life. Um, was it through, like, this wrestling with being gay, or what was it from? Surprisingly not. Um, I had a lot of anxiety growing up. It's just where kind of Jesus helped me on that. Um, so as early as I can remember, probably like fifth grade, I'd start having panic attacks going to school. Um, basically, anytime I'd leave my house, I'd get sick to my stomach. Like, how did your parents deal with your panic attacks? Yeah, so I remember opening up to my mom about it. It's probably, again, I'm probably like 11 at this point. I'm, she's just like, well, get over it. I'm like... <laughs> Great, you know, that's great advice. So uh, that kind of just, again, isolated me more, made me not want to talk about it. But so that problem followed me all the way throughout high school um, to the point where after I got out of high school, I had no reason to leave my house because I didn't have to go to school. So for the next six or seven years, probably, I only left my house when it was absolutely necessary. Hold on, hold on. I mean, we're talking like hermit lifestyle. Is that what you're saying? Right. I mean, I was social distancing before it was a cool thing. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, that was just very isolating. I wasn't equipped to handle that. Um, I didn't have a support network. Just growing up, my family was kind of broken. Um, Dad was around, but just kind of provided, like, materially, but mm -hmm. not... No emotional connections. We never did family dinners. If we get in arguments, just you know, sweep it under the rug, never communicate. So following that, so in those six or seven years of just isolating, I'd gotten all these bad habits of just using bad coping mechanisms like playing video games, drinking. I used to weigh over 300 pounds. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Over, like, that's like twice what you are now. Pretty much. Okay, all right. Wow, um, that's incredible. But, and the same, still depressed, suicidal. Like, I just felt like, you know, this is it for me. I don't, I don't know what to do. So where did Jesus come into this? I mean, how did that happen? Right. So uh, a good friend of mine, a lot of you probably know him. His name's Zach Bice. Uh, he was my brother's roommate in college. Um, he came over to visit one day, and we struck up a conversation. And for whatever reason, uh, I was just very comfortable. All my walls kind of came down. Communication was really easy. Um, we had like a three-hour conversation that night, um, and following that, I remember that night just going to bed crying. I was like, hey, God, if you're real, 
let stuff like this keep happening and kind of a spoiler alert, it kept happening. Um, <laughs> but outside of that, so he got me involved in church, got me involved in a small group where I met a bunch of great guys who are still good friends of mine today. Um, and it was just like getting an actual support group. Um, I'd never had that before. And it's like, wow, some people actually do care. And so where did, did you accept Christ through that? Or like, how did that happen? Yeah, so I'm a very logical person. So through this interaction of God providing this for me, um, and I read a book, Case for Christ, which is a very logical-oriented uh, book. But those two things kind of hand-in-hand uh, led me to put my trust in God. And uh, in that same year of, you know, never leaving my house, to I went to Haiti on a mission trip. So, I mean, it was like a 180-degree change. Permit to me. Haiti, all in a second. There you go. Right, pretty much. Okay, all right. So talk to me then. So you, you accept that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He rose from the dead. Now, how did that change your perspective on handling your own homosexuality? Yeah, so um, another interesting thing is I have family members who are gay as well, and they're married. Um, and obviously, culturally, it's more acceptable now. Um, and those married uh, family members of mine are like, hey, you can go to a gay-affirming church uh, it's okay now that you'll find a group who will accept you. Um, and that was always hard for me to hear because I'm like, man, yeah, I'm just denying myself for no reason. I shouldn't do this. Uh, God's holding out on me. I think those were a lot of the conversations you and I had like five years ago. That, that's kind of where we're like kind of wrestling with that sort of thought. Right. So um, a good friend of mine made a really keen uh, observation that, hey, you always seem to have like one toe dipped into Christianity. You're never fully committing. And he was absolutely right. Uh, I just didn't trust God in this area of my life. Um, so from that, uh, I just kind of got the mindset of you're either all in or you're all out. Yeah. Um, and, and how do you, so all, I love that, all in or all out, I'm either a Christian or I'm not. And how do you sort of maintain that when your feelings are sort of like pulling you out? Right. So one of the habits I have uh, every day, I've created these affirmations I'll read to myself. They're essentially sayings based off scripture uh, to help just remind me of who I am, who God says I am, and God's truths. Um, one such example is based on Paul's, uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Um, so the affirmation made around that is, uh, I'm moved by what I believe, not by what I feel. Mm. Therefore, I do not live a life based off feelings and circumstances, but based off responsibility and God's promises. Wow. Come on. Come on. Hey. Huh? Come on wow. I think that, that's, I mean, that's powerful. And uh, just, I'm going to give you guys a link to all of his daily after. I said, give me all those because I kind of want those. And so I'll make sure you guys get a, a copy of all those. We'll put on Slack or on, on uh, our website somewhere we'll, to make sure everyone can see that. That's powerful. So, so you have that reality. Now, what about, I mean, are you going to get married one day? Are you going to be single? What's, what's, what's up for you? What's the, your future? Yeah, so that's been a huge fear of mine is uh, not having a wife or a family. Um, it's one of those things where it's, it just seems like I'm stuck in a, um, a life stage, whereas other people progress from like dating to married to kids, you know, things of that nature. Yeah. Whereas, hey, Jordan's over here single and hanging out. Um, but I think uh, just developing that trust with those affirmations, other daily habits, because we have to remind ourselves every day yeah. of who God says we are. But doing all that and developing my trust, I'm okay with it if it doesn't change. Uh, this thorn, 
I maintain the perspective of, hey, God can change it, but even if he doesn't, God is good enough, and I trust that. Oh, I love that. That's huge, man. All right. Now, <clears throat> let's just get real for a second. What would you say to the gay community uh, who feels like you, you betrayed them? Like, you, you know, almost like your, your relative that said, just go to the gay affirming church. Stop. I mean, we, we kind of, we got something going here. You're, you're leaving us behind. Right. Um, I guess I'd say that this is my faith. Uh, I've seen how God has provided in my life and the lives of people around me. Um, and just that you don't have to take my word for it either. Uh, I'd say to them, you know, you reach out to God. Have an open heart. And if you seek him, you know, he'll show himself to you. I love that. And what would you say to a Christian who is struggling with homosexuality? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I'd say you're not alone. Um, this seems to be a very stigmatized uh, sin, if you want. Um, and I know just culturally, it just, for whatever reason, it's not talked about. And that's, if you don't bring it to light, uh, you know, you're going to be in darkness. This is part of your heart you're not working on. Yeah. Um, and if you do that, you're not equipping others to love you well. They're not going to know you fully. And that's just doing everyone a disservice, including the kingdom of God. Wow. Thank you. All right. Everyone, give it up for Jordan. You go down. Jazz. Isn't that incredible? That is some real story. What's really great about that is uh, Jordan and Jazz will be available um, after service to talk to anybody about this and probably if you want to talk to them even beyond like a five-minute talk outside, um, they're, they're willing uh, to get connected with people. All right, so Jazz, um, different story, different background, different human being right here. Um, yeah, the, the mask getting off. I said, I wanted to be cute. I want to be safe. I want to be safe. So. <laughs> All right, I appreciate that. Uh, so uh, Jazz, talk to me about... From your perspective, I know you grew up in church. I did. And so talk to me about that and then like kind of the direction that, that your life sort of turned left at a certain point. So, yes, I grew up in church. Um, I'm originally from Long Beach or Los Angeles, and I went to a very large church in which um, my mother was very involved. Um, I'd say I probably was at church about five out of the seven days between worship and um, praise team and dance team and ministry and mission. I was just kind of, I grew up in the church. Um, <laughs> and so um, for me growing up from like a younger age, seeing and understanding and then kind of getting into that high school, it became, for me, it felt like more rules than relationship. Um, it wasn't as though I had that personal encounter with God. So it was easy to kind of walk away and be like, well, you know, I kind of want to do what I want to do, right? right. So, yeah. Okay, so, so for you, there, there was some abuse in your life. Yes. And, um, and for, sometimes people would say, well, uh, you couldn't possibly have been born that way. It was abuse. That, can, can you kind of uh, mm -hmm. talk about the abuse and then talk about that aspect of, yeah. uh, of homosexuality? So um, the earliest that I remember was about age six all the way through 16. I was abused by someone who was close to my family. Um, and so just kind of a side note, I um, well, there's two side notes, a side note to the side note. Um, one, uh, it's not necessarily someone that might be on a registry or that may have that reputation. It can be anyone that has access and influence. So you really have to be guided by the Holy Spirit as a parent um, because, you know, there's, it, I say things happen and I don't like say that to push it under the rug, but um, Holy Spirit will 
everything is worked and orchestrated for him, right? Because mm-hmm. even in that, that's a whole nother story right. that um, has provided healing and different things for me. Um, and then the side note to the side note, if <laughs> it, I tell people in the LGBTQ community, it's not, it can be offensive in a ministry standpoint where people are like, well, the abuse is what made me this way, right? Um, especially when there's a belief that I was born this way. But for me, that wasn't my case. I didn't feel as though I was born that way. I felt like there were some other deep-rooted issues that I kind of, and it was, for me, a different route, if that makes any sense. And, and so, you, so you told me the abuse was not like just once or twice. It was right, a, it was repetitive. For how long? And continuous, um, from six until 16, so about 10 years. Wow, uh, that's powerful, and, and man, that's it's a lot to take in. Well, how do you, how do you identify, and uh, is it a lesbian, same-sex attracted, what and, and how does that? How does especially in the world of pronouns, that's very challenging. Uh, where, what, what is the, the proper way to identify? So um, I kind of have always had this resistance to um, an identifying marker. Um, I really believe, like, in, in just. I'm like, don't put me in a box, right? I kind of joke, and I, it sounds morbid, but I'm like, when I die, cremate me because I don't want to be in a box. Um, <laughs> ah. Sorry, but um, you know, kind of growing up, it's it's that well, you're this or you're that, right? You know, it, it's and so I always had some type of resistance to it, and I believe that is because in the Bible it says, train your children in the way they should go, grow, and when they're old, they will not depart from it. It was instilled in me that I am an image bearer of Christ, mm. that um, my identity is in Christ, and therefore God gave me identity before man. Right. So when people would come up and like, oh, you're bi or oh, you're gay, and I'm like, no, like I. <laughs> Don't, don't put that label on me, right? To me, it's a social construct. So. Right. I, I think we, we've talked about this, that, that God created you in his image, but allowed in his permissive mm-hmm. decree sin to kind of um, to, to take you a direction of homosexuality, mm-hmm. uh, but the Holy Spirit has put you on the mend. Right. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how the Holy Spirit has really brought you, well, to where you are now as a person that's living a repentant life. Uh, yeah. So... How did that, how did that process of transform your identity happen? So, um, it's <laughs> when everything, so like I said, growing up in the church and then I walked away from the church when I went into college, I was like, is this really what I believe or is this something that I've been just conditioned to believe or that I was taught to believe? Mm-hmm. And I really had to, I mean, I, I went away from home. I really had to kind of have a come to Jesus moment. Um, <laughs> I remember in 2014, I was sitting in my room, almost at my rock bottom. And this is a room that I was renting because I had just for the last six weeks been living out of my car and showering at the gym because I just refused. I was like, I don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to my mom. Like, I don't want to hear it. I'm still not, you know, I, I want to just do what I want to do. And I remember the Holy Spirit was like, are you done yet? <laughs> and for me, it was one of those, like, the moment I said yes, um, I just remember literally everything aligned. And it was like, and, and it's not as though, okay, say yes to the Holy Spirit and everything will be right, right? It's, it's as though I said yes and I understood, okay, this was the thing. So I moved home and then lo and behold, start this new job and there's someone there um, of the same sex that I ended up in a relationship with. And so I'm going, good God, you know, and kind of back and forth and I just gave up. Um, and so I'm in this relationship with this person for almost three years, two years of which I'm living with her and somebody at work invites her to church and I'm like, well, I'm not going. Because <laughs> I already know. Like, I moved home, I said yes, and then, you know, but I'm still here. Obviously, it didn't go away. Like, this is, and she just kept, you know, come to church so, with me. So, hold on. Your girlfriend that you're living with 
is inviting you to church because somebody at her work invited her to church. Yes, and her thing was like, well, I'm not going to go if you don't go. And I'm like, <laughs> what do I have to do with this? Well, hey, hold on. Does the person at work know that she was... No le- clue. No clue. Just, no clue. Just random, like, they were excited I've, about I Jesus? I found a good thing, and I want to share it with okay, you. Okay, got it. All right, I love and, it. That, um, that's incredible how... <laughs> You just never know the impact you're going to have when you invite somebody yeah. to come experience what God has. Yeah. I mean, that is an incredible... I just like, I don't know who, whoever that person is, I want to go like, give them a hug or something. All right, go on. <laughs> and go ahead. so um, I remember about probably two or three weeks, we kind of went back and forth with, and I was like, fine, I'll go. Because something in me was like, I want you to experience the goodness and understand Christ as well, even though I'm not there. And so... Um, I remember sitting in service and it was like, you know, the little kids, like mom says, sit down and you're like, I'm sitting down, but in my mind, I'm standing up. That's where I was. Um, I was genuinely like, well, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to listen. And I'm sitting there. And then like after that service, she comes and she's like, well, I didn't understand what the pastor meant by this. And I'm like, here we go. So, and then she's asking questions and I'm like, and now I'm actively answering these questions because I had a history of it. It's in me. It was instilled in me. And, and I'm able to answer the questions that she's asking. And then I'm like, well, go to my mom. And then mom is answering these questions. And then it was just one thing after another. And then um, the worship team there needed a little bit of help. And so I'm called to worship, as you guys have seen me up here. And I, my mom always tells me, you know, the thing that bothers you is what you're called to fix. And so I, I mean, and, and the person was like, well, Jazz, why don't you go? Because, you know, you sing and you play. And I was like, I can't do that. And she was like, well, why not? And I said, because I can't actively live this lifestyle and proclaim Jesus because sin and Jesus can't commingle. <laughs> and so she's like, well, okay. And she's, well, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. And so we're still going to this church. We're still sitting here and I'm still listening to this worship team that needs help. And I'm still going. And then um, during that time period that gay marriage was made legal, that was probably the most awkward dinner conversation <laughs> because she's like, jazz now. Okay. Do you want to get married? Like what's, and I'm like, well, I can't marry you. Because for me, that was my, like, I can't. And previously, it wasn't an option, so we didn't ever have to have that conversation. So, And then she's going, well, I don't understand. And so I'm literally explaining to her, and I, my, like, my words may sound harsh, but I told her, I said, I cannot choose hell for you. Mm. Like, that's what it took for her to understand. And she goes, well, thank you. And so we're wow. sitting here, and she's like, well, if that's the case, then we may as well break up. And I'm like, hold the press. Stop the phone. That's not where I'm at. That's not what I was Stopping saying. Phones. And so, yes. <laughs> and so, lo and behold, we ended up um, breaking up. And then in about two weeks or so, that same person that invited her to church came up to me and was like, well, I hear you sing, so can you come to the worship rehearsal? And I'm like, here we go again, right? Because I'm like, I'm at the church. I don't really want to. And so I ended up at the worship rehearsal. And it was kind of funny because sitting there, they're kind of going back and forth about a key on the song. And I'm like, well, you're both wrong. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, this is the key for you. And this is the key for you. And he was like, great. So you're singing Sunday. And I'm like, that's not. (laughs) (laughs) And so literally, as I look back now, I see it's completely the Holy Spirit, right? Like all of the things, because I wanted to play. Like there was something I wanted to live my life in a way to where I was accepted and understood and I knew Jesus, I just didn't know Jesus. Yeah. And so, I'm telling it was, yeah, it's been kind of fun. Tell me about your shirt, I'm a sinner. So, when um, Chris asked me to do this, I was like, oh man, here we go. And so, I think it was like last week or so, a friend of mine was like, hey Jazz, you know, she started her screen business and I was like, I want a shirt that says this, is that possible? And she was like, sure. And literally, like I told her on Sunday of last week and it was in my mailbox by like Tuesday and I'm like, and so um, I had these shirts made that said, I'm a sinner, but then on the back it says, but God. Come on. And 
you guys have heard me. I'm like, but God, like in my life, if it wasn't, it's but God, right? Like if it wasn't for him, I would not be here today, but God. So um, kind of drive that. So I love that. I mean, here you are living a life that Christ would be proud of, honored by. Um, you're saying no to the temptation, but does that mean that like, has, has the gay been prayed away? I mean, what, talk, talk to me about that. Do you still experience temptation? The best way I can describe this is, let me ask you, when you got married, did everybody else become ugly? Yes, they did. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes, I still experience temptation. (laughs) Um, My thought process behind it is, I literally, the Holy Spirit dropped this in my spirit one Sunday while I was leading worship because I was kind of going back and forth. You're brilliant. Absolutely. Very wise man. Um, (laughs) And he basically told me, you chose me first. Mm. And so in 2014, when I'm sitting in my room and I said, yes, Mm. even though you chose me first. So I look at it and I have to be as practical as possible, right? Like for those that are in the room that are married, you kind of understand where I'm coming. I look at it Mm. like my relationship with God is, right? So if I'm going to be in relationship with God, then I have to align myself with his vision and his right. word. Amen. And I have to commit myself to that, meaning I can't continue to just say yes to any and everything. Wow. And so, yes, wow. temptation is there. Yes, I still struggle. But even with community, like my community group, they're sitting front row. Woo! I've had friends and family drive in from San Antonio. Like for me, it's it's. At two o'clock in the morning when I'm really struggling, I'm going back and forth and, you know, the enemy is in my ear. Even my own self is in my ear. I can go, hey, Ash, pray for me. And there's no questions. She shoots a prayer back. Or, hey, Jess, come walk with me. And she'll come walk with me. Or, like, literally, I don't know how people can do almost anything without community. Right. Um, And even that, I prayed for community and didn't know it. And then I didn't realize what I was getting within my community. It's so much more than um, than what even I can give it credit for. Um, it's definitely a Holy Spirit thing. It's a God thing community. So Wow, that's awesome. You talk to me, and I'm going to take you a question you're not prepared for, but that's okay. Um, talk to me about the LGBTQ plus community versus uh, the Christian community you have here at, at the church. Talk to me about the, dis- is the, the difference. The way that I describe it, and just and I tell people I kind of like just dip my toe, right? I wasn't full-fledged in the deep end. But the way that I can describe it from what I've seen is the LGBTQ plus community wants everything the church has except Jesus. Mm. They want community. They want to be loved. They want to be accepted. They want to be, they want to be mm. as, as much as they want. They just, there's that. And, then, and with the stigma, you guys kind of understand the stigma between, because for me, I've had people in the church handle it wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I've had people come at me where it's like they're Bible thumping or they're preaching to me as opposed to loving me first. Mm-hmm. And you can't truly minister to someone until you actually love that person. Mm. And I'm not saying by any means to like re- re- renounce your morals, right? Because even with my mother, for about a two-year time period, we didn't speak. Mm. I mean, my mom, like, that's my mom. Yeah, come on. And so for me, it was one of those things where her relentless, unwilling to waver in the word of God was ultimately what brought me home because I knew I was loved, but love wasn't enough, right? Mm -hmm. I knew I was loved, but it was the fact that, okay, I'm in this position and I don't necessarily know how to explain it or where to go with this. And then, okay, I'm coming back home and I have my mom, but how do I, and what do I, and where do I start from here? Okay. But I didn't have a Christian that was like, well, you know, it's okay. 
or that wavered or that she loved me through it, but she stayed with what the word of God said. Mm. And that is what brought me back because I'm going, okay, well, the word of God is unchanging. And so when everything in the world around you is moving and and grooving and changing, (laughs) and then you have that person that can come back. Right. And like I said, and it wasn't just her. I've had, I've in the last six months, I've had people that are coming back in my life that are like, jazz, what did I do? And I'm like, you didn't do anything. It was me. It was where I was at. But the fact that you stand stood on the word of God, I was able to come back and now we can have this conversation and we can actually teach each other because I'm showing them how to actively minister to people in their family that deal with the same issue, same thing. And then they're actively able to go, okay, well, this was my perspective and I understood. And I was like, like I said, I, I could hear, but I wasn't listening. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so Jazz, let's, let's talk about your future. What's it look like? Are you married? Are you single? What, where, where are we going? So I do desire to be married. Um, I do desire to have children, but my prayer has been, and it will always be, God, make me an answer. Mm. At the forefront, I told God, yes. I told him yes first. So whatever he has for me, mm. I trust him in that. And mm. I know that's easier said than done, but for me, that's, I just have to, shut every, I have to shut off all the noise and go, okay, God, what's next? Mm-hmm. So I'm open. I mean, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm okay because I know who holds the future. Come on now. Come so we can preach that. <laughs> all right, let me ask you this one. Uh, what would you say to somebody that's like maybe in the LGBTQ plus community, and is it worth it? I mean, giving up relationship and... Uh, is Jesus worth it, and can you trust him? So the first thing I want to say is I'm sorry for how the church potentially handled it if they handled it wrong. Mm-hmm. Because people can be very cruel, but I know that Jesus loves you mm-hmm. because he loves me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what was the second question? Yeah, um, yeah. Is, is he worth it? He's absolutely worth it. Um, I, I know how I was before Jesus, or like I said, with Jesus and then without Jesus. I've seen, right? So I tell people, just try him. I mean, mm. and, and, and like tr- fully try him, right? Like, yeah. like completely, don't just, well, maybe. No, if you're going to do it, do it. And then just give him a chance. Because absolute worst case, go back to what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Absolute worst case. Yeah. But for me, just try him. Tasty like, that's the seed. only thing I can ask. I love it. Well, you have a song uh, that you've written, and you're, I feel like we're on, like, a TV show now. Uh, you have a song. And you ri- get a car. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So you have, you have a song that you've written. I wanted you to share it with us, and I believe your mom is yes. here, and she's going to want to join us. So would you mind come on, on up, my mom to come and on. I'm going to get out of the way. And um, I'm really excited about this, guys. <laughs> 